The place that we were living just before we moved here was a place called Carmel Valley. And Carmel Valley really is in a valley. It's, there's a, a river that goes right along through the center of it and up on both sides are these steep slopes covered in oak trees and there's wildlife, deer and bobcats and the occasional mountain lion. And the road that is the main way people get around is this two-lane road that winds right along the river. And uh, the experience of living in Carmel Valley, there's a lot of roadkill in, in life there, typically. Uh, when I first moved there, the, it was actually the deacon of the church shared with me a Carmel Valley joke. He said, why did the chicken cross the road? To prove to the skunk it could be done. <laughs> and if I know many people are watching, perhaps from Carmel Valley right now, this joke has special meaning for you all. But uh, one thing that I'll confess is when I was living in that beautiful place, it was the most rural place that I had ever lived in my life. And one thing that I never quite got used to was the lack of streetlights, which means that if you're living there at a time like this time of the year, this darkest time of the year, and especially at night when there's cloud cover and the stars are concealed, it is very dark. And when you're driving on that winding road, knowing that water is nearby as you're doing the twists and turns, and it just so happened that we had a car with very dim headlights, you realize your vulnerability in the darkness. And when there was nothing else to light the path, what I found was that the one way that you could see where the road was, where you could stay on the path, was by noticing, in the middle of the road, reflectors. These ingenious devices that had been created, not even devices, just objects that were inserted into the pavement, designed so that they could capture the tiny little bit of light that existed in those dark nights, to capture that light and to bounce it back, so that you could see where you were going, that you could be guided on that road. The first lines that we hear today in the gospel of this morning, we learn about John the Baptist. And John the Baptist, we are told, there was a man sent from God whose name was John, and he came as a witness to testify to the light. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. It's good to remember that in his day, John the Baptist was extremely famous. We know even outside of the Gospels, he was written about, the historian Josephus mentions him and the great crowds of people that flocked to be around him and went to go be baptized by him. And it would have been thought during those days, no one would think that someone would come after him and be more famous than he was. And yet John the Baptist himself says so. He says, I am not the point. I am pointing to the one who is coming after me, and he is the one. Just as the writer of the Gospel of John says, he was not the source of the light, but a witness to it, like a holy reflector. 
And I believe that we are called to be holy reflectors ourselves. That we can behold and take in the light of God that is around us. And not store it up, but to share it out. And to help light the way for others. And the first part of this work, of course, is how do we receive that light? How do we behold what is true? There's a man named Brian McLaren who used to be the pastor of a large non-denominational church and now he is basically a public thinker helping the church and helping Christians understand new ways of being as the world around us is changing so rapidly. And he became intrigued by this question of what is it that causes people to not be able to see? What are the impediments? What are the biases that blind us, that block the light? And he has identified 13 biases. I will share a few of these that he has pointed out in his own words. He says, first, confirmation bias. The human brain welcomes information that confirms what it already thinks and resists information that disturbs or contradicts what it already thinks. Second, complexity bias. The human brain prefers a simple lie to a complex truth. Third, community bias. The human brain finds it very hard for you to see something that your group doesn't want you to see. In other words, we put tribe over truth. Fourth, complementarity bias. If people are nice to you, you'll be open to what they see and have to say. If they aren't nice to you, you won't. We mirror back the attitudes we receive from other people. And that makes us open or close to what they have to say, whether it's true or not. Fifth, contact bias. If you lack contact with someone, you won't see what they see. Skipping ahead to number eight, competency bias. Our brains prefer to think of ourselves as above average, and as a result, we are incompetent at knowing how incompetent we are. Ninth is confidence bias. Our brains prefer a confident lie to a hesitant truth. We mistake confidence for competence, and we are all vulnerable to the lies of confident people. Tenth is conspiracy bias a fascinating one. He claims that our brains like stories in which we're either the hero or the victim, but never the villain. And these are just some of the biases that he lists. And we could go deep with any of them, but clearly to see, well, we have some hard work to do to remove the many obstacles to our sight, the obstacles that block the light of truth. And along with this comes some compassion, I believe, for ourselves as well as for our neighbors as we all are afflicted with various kinds of blindnesses. It helps us to know what causes us to be blind so that we can overcome that. But being less blind is only part of the equation. How do we actually see? How do we better behold that light of God? I'm convinced that with all the brokenness, the hurt, the division, 
that we are seeing right now, this is the only way forward, to behold the light of God. One thing that we can do, a practice that we can choose to practice, is to actively look to the source. Whatever we behold, to remember to behold the source of that thing. Just one example of what that could look like is when you behold a plant, you can remember what has gone into that plant's existence. The sunlight, the water, the hand of the gardener. The imprint of God's design that existed in the seed long before it even was a plant. You can look at a plant and just see a plant or you can see the hand of God at work. Likewise, you can look at your neighbor and see just a human being among human beings or you can see a child of God. To paraphrase Rowan Williams, to look upon a person like this is to see a mortal being of immortal value. I believe that when we do this work, we become the light. Like John, we are not the source of the light, but witnesses to the light, reflectors, pointing the way to God. Amen.